HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. Handcrafted, expert approved, with over 20 international blind tasting awards. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Life's a banquet, everyone. The show about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable. With me, your host, down here in Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett, and... And me, I don't know, a parrot? Ah, amazing. As we know, parrots are evil. Sorry, Mike Sala, we've discussed it <laughs> at length. And we did, We I think, landed on that they're both evil and absolutely beautiful and striking. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's complex. A parrot is a complex creature. It is. And we know this for a fact. They live too long. Or maybe not, though. <laughs> they live like 90 years. I mean, But let's then say remember, that... Mike Sala told us that his doctor said his parrot wouldn't live that long. Well, his parrot has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's why. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's not funny. Actually, my I do want to say seriously, my parents' dog died this weekend, and it was very sad. And all I can really say about it is that I think it's a cruel joke on humanity that parrots live, like, ten times as long as cute puppy dogs. Well, but who would take care of the parrots or the dogs when their owners That's are true. dead? A 90-year-old dog? <laughs> can you imagine? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's hilarious to imagine that. Uh, I was, I remember when Prohibition. <clears throat> anyway, how are you? What's going on? What's new? Nothing's new. My life is boring and the world is burning around us. That's not so bad. <laughs> what are you talking about? Look, I was going to try to Google some funny, because I agree, the world is burning and there's really nothing funny to talk about. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring my own hot celebrity news to this podcast. Enough about Ben Affleck and his dumb girlfriend. And Beyonce. So I, beyond, his, his Beyonce, exactly. <laughs> ben, this just in, folks. Ben Affleck has traded in Jennifer Lopez for Beyonce. You heard it here first. 
Um, no, I was trying to Google celebrity news. Nothing really interesting was coming up. A lot of celebrities I've never heard of, which made me feel old and more depressed. And <laughs> then I was like, well, let's see what's going on with Carrot Top. Hmm, shall we? That could be funny. And all that came up when I clicked on news about Carrot Top was fucking Carrot Top pesto <laughs> recipes. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's very green, very vegetal. But anyway, I've got nothing. That's all to say. Well, the celebs are hiding out in their mansions. They sure are. Um, so have you cooked anything, ate anything, seen any interesting movies, stalked anyone? Oh, I did start watching um, the Amazon original television event called Chloe, which is really, really good. I'm like addicted to it right now. What is it about? I've not heard of it. Um, it's basically, it's British and essentially, basically the main character is this, she's kind of like a grifter, I guess, but Love it. she, and her friend from a childhood dies and in order to like figure out what happened to her, she sort of infiltrates her friend's like glamorous life. Um, but it's like from the very beginning, like, you know that, like, it can't last forever, and things just keep building and building and building, and you're like, what's gonna happen? Um, and the actress, or the actor who plays the main character is just, like, I don't know, she's, like, captivating. She's such a great actress, so it's really good. I can't wait to see what happens. I had stayed up way too late last night watching it, and that's all. Well, I can't wait to watch. I've I need something new because I'm just going to whenever I feel really upset, I go to like comfort things. I've watched Father of the Bride like four times in the past week, which is cruel because it was Father's Day and I was missing my dad. I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll watch Father of the Bride over and over again. But something about that sweet Steve Martin, you know, that kind of curmudgeony nineties yeah. you know, pleated Extremely wealthy and such. father. But they're and supposed pa- to have like a normal house. <laughs> That pa- that simple Pasadena living. <laughs> We're just common people living in this $87 million perfect home. We're everyman. We're everyman. We, uh, can't every man host a wedding for 400 of their closest friends in their home? <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I, like, I think we talked about it before, but like every movie from the 90s, uh, or even like the 2000s, like the dad is always like either in shoe design or like owns a sneaker factory or is like an architect. It's only, there's only two movies where there's shoe design. It's Jumanji and Father of the Bride. That's like a lot though, because don't you think like being, and Parenthood, the television show. Oh, well that's The Steve what... Martin character in the television show is a, works at a sneaker factory as well. But that's not the 90s. I'm just saying I think it's interesting because how many fucking people like own a sneaker factory? Although maybe he had a sneaker. I don't know what his job is in Parenthood the movie. In Parenthood the movie, he is an architect. Ah, yeah. He's also an architect in House Sitter? House? No. House Guest. No, you. Yes, and he's an architect again, and it's complicated. And he's also an architect in Shop Girl? Yeah, he's, like, always an architect. He's not an architect, actually, in Parenthood. He's in sales. But okay. I feel like he's selling architecture. There's some kind of He's like, just, I'm selling you this drawing of a building. <laughs> look at this drafting board. You're going to love the way you look. <laughs> What's that tool, oh. the drafting tool that they use on the, the, you know, like, 
the right angle thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get one of these. Top of the Maybe line. even take two. You're going to need a bunch of these, you know, push pencils, the graphite. It's perfect. He probably, <laughs> I bet he probably sold architecture supplies to, like, universities, large-scale buys, you know, so in order to fund his four children that he has in that movie. That's exactly right, Nicole, and I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. Now, Steve Martin, if you're listening, please call into the show and explain to us why you're such an architect a file. The thing is also about architects, that since I actually have friends who are architects, that you don't actually make that much money. And so, and it's also a very difficult field to, like, get into. So... I know several people who went to architecture college, T-square, that's what I'm thinking of, got their T-squares, got their T-squares in order and started working in architecture and then the money was so bad they were either serving or they just left it all together. So it's not like in the movies where you can be just like a wealthy architect because that's what your job is, is architect. Totally. I mean, big Hollywood has been selling us the architecture live for decades now. You know who else was a fucking architect? Was the guy in um, Mystic Pizza. You know who else is the architect? The guy from How I Met Your Mother. There's so many fucking architects. That guy in Mystic <laughs> Pizza was hot, but he was a creep. You know who else is an architect? My upstairs neighbor on the top floor. You know who's a shoe designer? The neighbor that lives right below them. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That is crazy, and they're not even from the 90s. They're from today. <laughs> I feel like we looked up this before, but there is like the the number like the careers that people have in movies is like architect, um, marketing guru, like wedding people, planner. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there's always there's a wedding planner in literally every movie that's ever been made. <laughs> chef. Sometimes someone's a chef, and that's very annoying and stupid. Yeah, oh yeah, Chef. Oh, also, so that I sent you that show that everyone's talking about. Yeah, The Bear. Every single person I know has sent me this. So I, I don't, like, I don't even, is it fiction or nonfiction? It's fiction, baby, I think. Oh. But like, everyone's like, it's so good. And I'm like, I won't be able to handle watching a show where people are like, behind you, corner. You know what I mean? Like, coming in hot. <laughs> I just can't watch it. It's like too stupid. Sorry if anyone loves it. It's hard for me to like. I, just, I think most people feel that way about job, like movies about their profession. I just don't. Well, last night I got into a long conversation with my friends about the movie Waiting, which I have never seen, and they started to quote it to me, and then they're like, "Dane Cook is awesome," and I'm like, "Whoa, no. get out of here!" I, I had to leave. <laughs> Dane Cook. I hope you fired those friends from your life. Yeah. Well, they were my ride home, so I had to stay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I just like tucked and rolled out of the car. Step two of Dane Cook is a bridge too far. I also feel like, isn't he canceled or something? I don't know, but you know what? I say we trade in Ben Affleck and start updating ourselves and our listener about Dane Cook. No, I don't think so. I think we should just... Come on. They're the same. We should let sleeping dogs lie, whatever that means. Maybe... Sleeping... I think it's sleeping Danes lie. Sleeping great Danes. <laughs> okay, so there's an article that says most likely if there's a male in a movie, they're going to be an architect. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. We didn't even Google this first, people. We just watch a lot of movies. Oh, also in Sleepless in Seattle, he's an architect. What the fuck? <laughs> he's so also stupid. an architect in Jungle Fever. <laughs> Love actually. Tom Hanks is in Jungle Fever. No. I know, I'm kidding. Um, Indecent Proposal, Architect. Wow. Um, 
one fine day, Michelle Pfeiffer is the architect. Wow, yeah, architect. There's a lot of accountant is a job that sometimes people have, but architect is very popular because it sounds exotic. Most people don't know an architect except for you. I know millions of architects. Yeah, you're covered in architects. Hundreds of millions. You know what? You know what I saw the other day? Uh, not an architect, but so I had been architecture. <laughs> I saw architecture. Now let me tell you about it. It was pointy. Some of it was round. Wasn't that the name um, of a clothing store? Architecture? Yeah. I don't know. Call into the show For if you've got any pieces. Yeah, tell me your story. I'm going to look this up. <clears throat> um, okay, since you're not listening. Listener, the other day I had been chatting, a couple weeks ago, I was chatting to a friend of mine and insisting that St. Bernard's wear a barrel around their neck filled with alcohol to bring to their human companions when they're freezing on a mountain. Mm-hmm. And this person said, no way, Jose. And I was like, okay, whatever. I let it go. And then... I come home, I'm in New York, and I see, what do I see, Nicole? I see a fucking St. Bernard with a barrel around its neck in the middle of June. What? Okay. Where? That's weird enough. On Court Street, okay? So, very strange. I was like, we're living in a simulation. This is so weird. Why is there a fucking St. Bernard with a barrel around its neck? I've never seen a single or married St. Bernard in New York in my, I don't know, ever. Moments later, approaching from the other direction, comes another St. Bernard. This one without a barrel. However, what is the likelihood, and this is a math question, that <laughs> if there is two St. Bernards traveling at an equal speed, one coming from the east and one coming to the west. Uh, anyway, so then they saw each other and they didn't know each other. They weren't related. They weren't connected. And then the following day, I see the same St. Bernard with a barrel again in the morning. Haven't seen either one of them since. Why do they put a barrel around his neck in the heat? Well, it's maybe it's full of margaritas or something. It's supposed to be a full of a warm liquid to bring its mass, its owner on uh, the ski slopes. Well, you need to document this. To, I don't understand. You don't believe me? <laughs> just don't. You understand. don't believe me either. Well, I bet now I'm going to see two, five more Saint Bernards. Just keep denying it. You're nope. a Saint Bernard denier. I believe you, sort of. <laughs> Huge um, barrel. The story that I was thinking of is structure, not architecture. Really great store. <laughs> Full oh, of I'm like shiny. That was the place that you would get your like shiny button downs in like the early uh, 2000s. Sure, 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 sure. Well, uh, on that note, do you have any news about um, Dane Cook this week? Or oh my God. Had? It's a crazy week for, no, I will don't ever speak Dane Cook's name to me again. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the article that I found about Benifer says literally Ben and Jennifer Garner's son crashes a Lamborghini and Jennifer oh. Lopez is there. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I didn't even know they had a son that was driving age or a son at all. Um, so then you read the article and what actually happened is they're at a car dealership and there's a Lamborghini with the engine running and the 10 year old got in the driver's seat and accidentally like reversed it. And it like sort of bumped up against another car. That's all well, that happened. That's not that interesting. However, who is this fucking, like, entitled child who just runs into... Okay, there's been a lot of questions, actually. First question, why was the Lamborghini just, like, on with the door open? Second question, what kind of child just jump, like runs into a random car and just starts driving it? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're obscuring the truth from us. We don't really... We'll never know what happened to this car dealership, yeah. but... If Ben Affleck buys a yellow Lamborghini, all my tiny 
smidgen of respect that I have left for him will disappear. You think that someone who has a full color tattoo of a phoenix on their entire back wouldn't buy a yellow Lamborghini? Well, I think that Jennifer Lopez, his wife-to-be, would be like, I don't think so. It's a no for me. Yeah, hopefully she would give it two thumbs down. However, wait a minute. Okay. Was I, as I'm understanding this story, is that it was some other person's Lamborghini who was like, hang on, like, I'm just going to leave the Lambo running quick with, with with the doors open while I go get something out of the BMW store, like maybe like a soda from the soda machine or something. Or like my T-square that I left here, because I'm obviously an architect, right? I'm <laughs> exactly. I left my T-square here last time I was designing oh. this BMW store. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, it was a car dealership, so my assumption was that the Lambo, as they call it, was one of the cars that was for sale. But yeah, I guess someone could have stop by the dealership on their way to architecture class and left it running, (laughs) grabbed the T-square. In that moment, the child leapt into the car and smashed it into a BMW. I'm taking off. I hate this family. (laughs) My dad's a dick. He's making me listen to the new Dane Cook CD on repeat. I can't take it anymore. How much are Lamborghinis even? Like $400,000? I have no idea. Uh, probably something around that. That makes me sick. I don't like talking about how much money people have. I okay. can't handle it. Well, then the other thing that happened is that Jennifer Lopez got a manicure, and on her nails are the initials J and B. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That's worse than the Lamborghini. Why? Why on your nails? I don't I understand. I don't know. Yeah, it's rough out there, guys. Be careful. I mean, maybe if you were, like, 16 or something, a 50-something-year-old woman getting Ben Affleck's first name initial on her finger? Come on. (laughs) That's worse than the Lamborghini. I thought you were going to say she got yellow Lamborghini nails, which would have been kind of cool. That would be cool. Um, So lame. Well, now that we've talked about really important stuff, let's focus on the non-important topic that we have for today. (laughs) I think it's fun. I had a great time doing my research. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So we decided to do divas and I decided that it would be more fun to just find like the least credible reporting shit talk about my diva. Um, Love it. Because it's hilarious. Um, But but first, let me start by telling you about Martha Helen Stewart. (gasps) Um, Diva! <laughs> who you have been on TV with. I was on her show once, and I will report, she's quite a diva. <laughs> diva. I like her on her show. She is just a bitch to everyone, and it's just part of her vibe. Like, she's actually mean to people that come on her show during the filming of the show, and they she leave it in. She was mean to me on the show <laughs> when I was on. You should watch it, because she was just like... like I, was, I watched nobody explained anything before the show started mm-hmm. and so I was like when we're cooking bechamel sauce together and I was like should I like turn this on like I don't know is there gas in here or is this gonna explode if I turn this on like I didn't say all that but I'm like should I like turn it she's like well we're really cooking here <laughs> I really love Martha Stewart so much and I love that she fully embraces her like you know her whole divaness. yeah her tough attitude 
Yeah, she's tough and she's a, a hero of mine. Okay, so Martha Helen Stewart was born in Jersey City in 1941, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, but she's 80-something years old nowadays. Um, and she grew up babysitting Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra's kids, just, just so you guys know. Um, in 1967, she became a stockbroker because that's what her dad did. Um, no word on if she was any good at it, maybe not. Because then in 1976, all of a sudden, she's a caterer. <laughs> Big bamboo. And just like that. Yeah. So she started a catering business with a pal of hers. But things went bad. And her co-caterer accused her of being difficult to work with and taking side gigs. Um, so she left the catering business and Martha bought her out. So... Then she sort of became, so her husband was a publisher guy, whatever, non-architect, but also a popular movie career. Um, her, yeah, so he, I don't know, she catered an event, a book release event, and somebody there was like, mm, these canapes are so delicious. And then, so she got a cookbook deal from that. Um, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact that her husband worked for a publishing company. So then she yeah. kind of like started her little deal just with cookbooks. They were really successful um, and yeah, so she just had a million cookbooks, like Martha Stewart's weddings. And I'm like, I don't understand. Is she actually writing a cookbook to tell us how to cater a wedding? I don't understand. It's just tips about like fabulous weddings because, okay. you know, people in the nineties needed to know how to have like a super fancy wedding that they couldn't afford. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, they could just watch father of the bride, but whatever. Um, <laughs> exactly. So then she gets divorced, a little bit more on that later, and then she, so she gets divorced in 1990, and that same year she started Martha Stewart Living Magazine, which started off pretty strong, but eventually had 2 million subscribers. Whoa. That's um, amazing. I know. And then she started her show in... 1993 I believe which was at the time like a half an hour show then it became an hour show the rest is sort of history in 1995 um she was the definitive woman of our time <laughs> according to someone <laughs> it's true she is I don't know how she like I'm I'm always wondering about Martha like you know there's other people today I think want to try to become the new Martha but like I don't know that Martha energy I don't think that can be recreated in this current day yeah and what else I learned which I did not know is she started a podcast at the age of 80 whatever uh, whatever 1941 minus this year is she's 81 <laughs> 81 they're full years old um <laughs> <laughs> she has a podcast the first episode was on June 22nd so we just missed it oh my god I can't wait to listen well Snoop Dogg is her guest so that's great Check I love out. their friendship it's so okay sweet. now enough with Accurate reporting and fact-checking. Let's get into the dirt-slinging here. Um, my first, um, I don't know, information, I don't know, my first chunk of info here comes from the New York Post. Um, Perfect. <laughs> and that is the fact that one of her former best friends, Mariana Pasternak, basically wrote this really mean like tell all book called best of friends about her and Martha's relationship where she just talks a gang of shit of her, but just wait and see the things that she says, because it is hilarious. And the way that the New York post writes about it is so <laughs> I'm really funny. I fear um, this is what's going to happen to me and you one day. Yeah. A tell all book all of a sudden comes out. <laughs> she also describes her as 
she describes Martha as a hungry manhunter capable of evil <gasps> deeds. And I'm like, there is nothing wrong with being a hungry manhunter. I am one. You are one. It's fine. Samesies and evil deeds. I'm with it. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's the first salacious story. Um, apparently there was a dinner party with only four people. So Mariana Pasternak, former friend, now enemy of Martha Stewart. Um, <laughs> and, and her husband, I guess. And then some, this is after Martha's divorce, by the way. Um, because that's why she was a hungry manhunter because she was divorced. Um, she, there was a, a, the fourth guest at the party was a man who apparently Martha wanted to get together with, but he wouldn't get together with her. And she found out that he had erectile dysfunction. So allegedly during this dinner party that contained only four people, she poked him in the junk area and said, how's that going? (laughs) (laughs) Rude. So rude. Very uncomfortable. Almost unbelievable. And then, um, she also goes on to say that Martha pushed Ben away because she was both needy and aggressive and she pushed away Anthony Hopkins, who stood her up for dinner once. <laughs> I mean, he's a serial killer. He, that was probably smart. Yeah. And then uh, she goes on to say that she could never, whenever she was out with Martha, she could never pee, even when she really wanted to, because she was too scared of Martha talking shit about her while she was in the bathroom and she couldn't bear it. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So anyway, we should definitely, definitely read that book um and another person who wrote a book about martha stewart is her daughter alexis stewart where she also talks a gang of shit about her mom um it's called whatever land learn to live here um and her allegations are also kind of dumb um she says that her mom was grouchy during the holidays and who is it (laughs) You try having a million screaming children during the holidays. It's not fun. Um, Yeah, or like stringing together like 20 million feet of garland and popcorn wreaths. Yeah, and like hand painting a Christmas tree that you got from the woods yourself. (laughs) It's hard work. Figgy Um, pudding up to your ears. (laughs) Um, So she says, yeah, grouchy during the holidays. She canceled Halloween one year or maybe every year. I can't tell. Um, they were not allowed to wear costumes and they turned all the lights out. So they pretended not to be home. Um, so I don't know if like Martha regrets this and that's why she's obsessed with Halloween costumes now, but the, you know, the evidence is out there. We did a whole episode on Martha Stewart's Halloween costumes. Like she seems to be in it. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, she's compensating. She make your own decisions. Um, she also said that her mom, she doesn't like to invite her over because her mom will taste some of her food, make a face and push it away. <laughs> wow. That's, that's what I was scared of when I was on the show that was going to happen. And my friend Nora, who worked on the show, we became friends. Like after that, she was like, Martha ate all of your lasagna and then asked to bring it home with her. Nice. Afterwards. I know, but that was my greatest fear that she was going to eat something I made and push it away. Well, like her, she does to her poor daughter. You're like the Aww. daughter she never had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she also, and this is, you know, really upsetting. Um, she also would pee with the door open while Alexis Stewart had friends over. <laughs> <laughs> we, I had a, my 
parents had a friend. My mom had a friend when, uh, like, she was friends with this family. They were, like, super hippies when I was growing up. And they were kind of, like, kind of nudists. And I remember the dad would come and, like, wake us up in the morning for a sleepover. And his, he was, like, naked, his disgusting hairy balls, like, hanging out and Ew. stuff. So I know. I was like, that borders on, like, abuse, kind of, if it's not your kids. But... Yeah, just some parents are weird. Don't pee in front of your friends, kid, your kids' friends. Or do. Let's take the stigma away from peeing. Um, definitely don't put your balls near them. That's a, I think that's a must. Well, I mean, nudity, it's confusing. Um, it is. And sometimes it's gross. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, that's Alexis Stewart's book that somehow made it into a whole novel. And somehow she's still friends with her mom because Martha loves her grandchildren, apparently. But, um... Moving on, you guys may remember when this happened, because I remember, kind of remember when this happened. This is when Martha and Gwyneth Paltrow get into a feud. I don't remember what happened. So when Gwyneth Paltrow came out and told everyone on the whole planet Earth that she has consciously uncoupled with Chris Martin, um, Martha talked shit and said that, um, if Paltrow was confident in her, well, first of all, she said, Gwyneth Paltrow needs to just be quiet. <laughs> um, if she was confident in her acting, she wouldn't need to try to be me. Cause that's when she was starting her whatever goop thing. <laughs> and in addition to that, they made a conscious coupling dessert on their website, on the Martha Stewart website to like make fun that's of her. So me. <laughs> so in retaliation, Gwyneth Paltrow put a recipe for a jailbird cake up on her website. So oh, snap. That's good, though. That's shit slinging right there. That's um, a good burn. So then Blake Lively tried to start a lifestyle brand as well. It was called Preserve. It lasted only for one year. It was a huge flop. And Martha Stewart said she was, or no, she said it was stupid of her to do that. Um, she said, why would you try to be me when you can be an actress? Which is a fair question. <clears throat> sure. It's a fair question, but then, but like why? And then that's when Blake Lively stabbed her <laughs> in the neck. <laughs> that's when Blake Lively put a recipe up for a, an insulting cake on her website. <laughs> <laughs> um, Martha also has it out for lazy millennials. Um, she says, well, kids these days don't have the initiative to go out and find a little apartment and grow a tomato plant on the terrace. <laughs> <laughs> That's because a little apartment costs $7,000. And also, where's I'm going to have, oh, I get to have a terrace? Cool. I guess I'm a millionaire. Uh, <laughs> and my servants can grow my tomatoes for me. <sighs> oh, Martha. But um, these are things that only she could say. Like, literally, if anyone else said this kind of thing, it would be like, immediate cancellation like we hate you but for some reason martha can say and we're like oh god bless her she's so mean um okay this one involves a little bit of a digression in which reese witherspoon has a feud <laughs> with ina garden okay <gasps> so this is also during the pandemic so reese witherspoon being a self-righteous hoe um <laughs> She wrote, this is during the pandemic. She was like, okay, guys, you should start your day by drinking water, 10 minutes of outdoor light, 30 to 60 minutes of reading, and in bed by 10. Um, and Ina was like, actually, I'm not going to do any of those things. She's like, my list is much easier to follow. It's drink more large Cosmos, stay up late watching addicting streaming series, stay in bed in the morning playing Sudoku. <laughs> Love and it. 
So, yeah, I mean, she's obviously just joking around, right? But then Perez Hilton is reporting this, by the way. Um, yeah. Martha Stewart responded to this feud that had nothing to do with her by saying that drinking to cope with things like the pandemic is not charming. <laughs> God! <laughs> What is her prop, Martha? Come on, don't take a shot at Ina Garten of all people. Same team. I yeah. guess she doesn't have a team, though. She's like, no, no one's on my team. They are homies, though, which I guess. Is cool. They're supposed to be friends. Um, so then the last thing I have is that um, Martha did an AMA on Reddit, which um, it sounds pretty interesting, but um, somebody asked her about sex, and she was like, well, you should take a bath before sex and also after sex, and don't forget to brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> great advice great advice and um, that's all i have on martha helen stewart you guys oh my god i love it i really love it i love hearing about martha i love talking about martha <laughs> actually just a little uh extracurricular reading or listening as it may be um uh i was gonna say would you rather what is that podcast that i love um i don't know you're wrong about oh yeah they just did an episode on Martha Stewart that was really great. Yeah, well, I bet they didn't include any of my hard-hitting facts. There was nothing about peeing with the door open, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> so interesting. I wonder why she did that. What a power move, you know? Yeah. Well, also, Martha Stewart, the stars are just like us. <laughs> That's true. Um, okay, great. Well, let's take a quick break Um, and we will be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. I sang on the podcast. (laughs) I'm Dylan Hoyer, host of Meet in 3 on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods at a family-owned and operated distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainably managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, based in Jalisco, where together they transform agave byproducts and wastewater into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. 
Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. And guess what? We're back, and I demand 100 green M&Ms placed in a row in my dressing room. What? That's what I would say if I was a diva! <laughs> diva! I can't wait to become a diva. I hope I become famous someday only. Not for the money, not for the, like, any security, not for doing what I love, just so I can be a huge pain in the ass <laughs> and order only french fries that are exactly four inches long. Ooh. Um, okay, so today, folks, my diva of the day, I went between a lot of divas. <laughs> I originally thought of Whitney Houston, read a lot about like her favorite foods, then on to a diva that's close to my heart because she is from my hometown, Mariah Carey. Um, and then I was like, maybe Cher, but Cher really just like doesn't like to eat and did have like a really interesting cookbook or like a book about staying fit. I think it's called like my fit life or something like that. <laughs> but like there wasn't, I couldn't re- like read it online. There wasn't a lot about it. So I was like on to one of my favorite divas and yours folks. We're going to talk today about Barbara Joan, Barbara Joan in quotations, according to Wikipedia, Barbara with only one a Streisand. What? I don't understand. On Wikipedia, it says Barbara spelled B A R B A R A Joan. And then in quotations, B-A-R-B-R-A, hmm. Streisand. Okay. <laughs> also, I do have a, I like to call her Babs. I do have a shared eating story, which is when, when they were on the set of um, The Witches of Eastwick, mm. they would mm-hmm. all just microwave sweet potatoes, all three of them, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Piper, and Cher. Um, and that's pretty much all they ate I the whole that. time. I read that today that they would go on what they called binges, having handfuls of M&M's. Yep. Handfuls of M&M's and like pretzels, but then they learned, Michelle Pfeiffer learned how to microwave a sweet potato. And I was like, well, <laughs> you go get it, girl. That was the early stage of crazy. microwave technology, so it's fine. <clears throat> um, sweet potatoes are delicious and good for you. High fiber. Anyway, high fiber. Let's talk about Babs, who's only one year older than Martha Stewart. Coming in, actually, I'm sorry, one year younger than Martha Stewart. Coming in at the ripe old age of 80, born April 24th, 1942. Uh, Barbara Streisand is an American singer and actress. With a career spanning over six decades, she has achieved success in multiple fields of entertainment and among the few performers to motherfucking EGOT, baby. Oh, she's an EGOT? She's an EGOT. In case anyone doesn't know what an EGOT is, it's Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and, yep, Tony. Oh, she got to... Tony, Tony, Tony. She got to bone Elliot Gould back when he was young and sexy. I believe she was married to Elliot Gould back when he was young yeah, and sexy. Yeah, they were married, but they, I'm assuming they also had it intercourse. <laughs> Maybe. Allegedly intercourse <laughs> with the door open. Okay, so I'm going to begin with a 1967 article, a source unknown, but I got it from... The Barbara, uh, the Streisand Archives Library.com. <laughs> <laughs> not, not affiliated with her whatsoever. So in this article, Bab says, quote, I love to eat. I enjoy almost anything, but I like food that is cooked the day before because it tastes better warmed up the next day. In the microwave, Thoughts? probably. This is in 1967, I think, pre-microwave. Whoa, in 1967? Yeah. I don't even know. Just think about that. She was ahead of the times. 
I have like mixed feelings. One is that I've never really like loved leftovers, but some things really are nice when they sit the next day, like a brisket chili. or soup or something like that. Chili. Yeah. So I respect this about her and I agree. Barbara is a nonconformist when it comes to food. <laughs> this is according to the article. For her taste range from the very simple to the exotic, quote, I love caviar alone or with a baked potato. <laughs> She's doing caviar bumps before anyone else. Exactly. I've never really thought about caviar on a whole baked potato. I mean, I could see like, I mean, I've had like little tiny mini potatoes with, you know, a little bit of creme fraiche and caviar in it, but a whole big baked potato stuffed with caviar, that's very luxurious. Yeah. Well, she was a diva even back then. <clears throat> she was born diva. Okay. She goes on to say, quote, I'm a pretty good breakfast eater. I don't eat many eggs, but it's fun to break on top of a break at the top on a three minute boiled egg and stuff it with toast and marmalade. Um, how do you stuff... I have reactions. How do you stuff it in there? <laughs> I have reactions to this. I'm going to begin with the fact that a three-minute <clears throat> boiled egg is still completely <laughs> Like, Well, I guess that explains how you could stuff toast in it, though, because it's just mush. <laughs> sure, but, like, the whites are still completely liquid. <laughs> Folks, listener, have you ever eaten an egg that is boiled for three minutes? That seems heinous to me and criminal. <laughs> Now, the next part that I was confused about is, like, putting marmalade inside this raw egg. <laughs> well, the toast has marmalade on already. Got it. I understand. You know, because that's how you eat a, a, an egg normally. You take the lid off, and you have your little toast soldiers, and then you dunk them in the raw yolk. Yeah, the raw yolk, not the <laughs> raw white. Well, it was it's a different really type. <laughs> Rude. Okay. But then this article goes on to say, Barbara's foods, food loves rain from fresh mushrooms cut raw into salads, no thank you, floating on top of hot soup or stuffed with sour cream. Okay, they're what? <laughs> floating on the top of her soup. And they're raw, were they, so they just float. So we're putting raw mushrooms on the top of hot soup? That's right. And then we're taking uh, an then, innocent mushroom and stuffing it with sour cream? I'm assuming also raw, a raw mushroom stuffed with sour cream. This woman is a diva. <laughs> Nothing screams diva like raw mushrooms. <laughs> um, okay, so then her taste range from that to escargot provençal and the chicken soup her mother used to make and bring her backstage on matinee days. She likes the riches of a Jewish delicatessen too. Her favorites include kishka um, and stuffed cabbage. Mm. So that sounds, all that sounds delicious. Then the article goes on to say, despite her phenomenal success in show business, Barbara still enjoys the food she used to love in her childhood. Quote, I adore Chinese food, she says. She's capable of ordering a complete meal in Chinese. What? She acquired that talent in the at the age of 15 while working as a cashier in a Chinese restaurant. That's cool. It is cool. So then according to a New Yorker article from like 1960, the I think 1967 as well, but it's at the bottom. I'll tell you exactly what year. She says, quote, I grew up with Chinese people. I used to babysit for a Chinese couple in Brooklyn. They had a restaurant and they taught me to enjoy Chinese dishes. I often go to Chinatown to eat at night. You get wonderful white hot bread, uh, white hot breads with the center filled with shrimp and a little coffee shop there. Only 10 cents. <laughs> well, not anymore. I know. This, this was clearly decades and decades ago, before we were born. Um, okay, so now I'm jumping back to that same random article. Uh, they say, when she and her husband, 
you guessed it, Elliot Gould, hot, younger, hot <laughs> Elliot Gould. Before... Is Elliot Gould still with us? I think, yes, he is. When he looked a little bit more like an Elliot and less of a Gould. Oh, <laughs> poor Elliot Gould. I'm just saying. He's Gould. Ross and Rachel's dad. I know, that's true. I love Elliot Gould. What was that movie we watched with him together on the phone, The Long Goodbye? Uh, yeah. I love that movie. Good movie. It's great. Um, when her and her husband, Elliot Gould, enter town at home, dinner becomes very formal. Barbara plans the menu, table appointments and flower arrangements. A favorite dessert on these occasions is coffee ice cream. Mm. I'm mad about it, says Barbara. I used to eat it at the corner drugstore when I was a kid. I didn't even try it with her delicious nutty chocolate sauce, and then it provides her recipe for nutty chocolate sauce. Cute. Then I read something. What's so nutty about said. it, though? <laughs> There's nuts in it. <laughs> okay. Peanuts exact it's just chocolate sauce with chopped peanuts and then she goes to say uh when i was a kid my mother used to put mustard plasters on me when i was sick and then my thing my brain said huh what the hell is a mustard plaster it's like an old-timey thing where they put it on your chest and then you knew this yeah wow that's strange never heard of it so she goes you take a sheet you rip it you make it and you make a sheet you make a dried you take make dried mustard with hot water. You put it in between the two pieces of fabric, and you put it on your chest and your back, and that got rid of your cough. Because of the yeah, because you're breathing in that like mustard whatever gas. Mustard gas. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I believe it. It sounds good. I'm gonna do it next it's time. It's like the Vicks vapor rub. Yeah, well, you can also just do Vicks vapor rub. It's a little bit less mustardy. I don't know. Your sheets are gonna be yellow. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Mustard all over the bed is not cool. <laughs> um, okay, so according to the most reputable source in human history, the National Enquirer, Barbara, this is for, of late, this is from like 2019, Barbara Streisand's dangerous eating compulsion. <laughs> Barbara Streisand is secretly battling a compulsive eating disorder, and doctors warn the obsession is pushing her to the brink of death! Exclamation point. I think just being alive is pushing her to the brink of death. She's 80. I mean, that's true. She's 80 years old. Streisand admits that she eats when, quote, I'm happy and also wolfs down buckwheat pancakes smothered with butter and maple syrup. Well, someone called an ambulance and this woman's about to die. Um, yeah. And then it says, Dr. Stuart Fisher, who has not treated Barbara, <laughs> told the National Enquirer that the puppy-loving songbird is on a destructive path that puts her on a high-risk path to a deadly medical condition. What is... Too many pan buckwheat pancakes. What is the medical condition? <laughs> death? Death. <laughs> Dying. They're like, Dr. So-and-so, who plays a doctor on television. Yeah, Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and the puppy-loving thing refers to the fact that I think she is requested to have her dressing room filled with puppies, like, on her rider, which, to me, is absolutely amazing. I can't think of anything better to request. And when I get famous, I'm going to also request a room filled with puppies. That's the pound. Yeah, it's true. Bring me to the pound and let me play among... Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and jump to this May 12th, 1962 article in The New Yorker by Jeffrey Hellman, and I'm wondering if he was married to Lillian Hellman, but I believe she might have been single forever, but we don't the know. The heir to the Hellman's fortune? No, Lillian Hellman was a famous playwright. Ah. So, in this, she writes, I love, uh, she says in her interview with Jeffrey Hellman in 1962, so that would have made her 20 years old. Uh, I love food. I look forward to it all day. My body responds to it. 
That's so unique of you. Uh, everything else seems so nebulous. I love broiled mushrooms. Again, with the mushrooms. She's a freak for mushrooms. Well, at least she's cooking them now. Crust. Yeah, that's true. Well, this is before. She moved to oh. raw mushrooms as we neared the 1970s. Um, I began to sing in nightclubs when I was 18. I was at the Bonsoir and the uh, Bonsoir and the Blue Angel on Tuesday, May 22nd. I'm going back to the Bonsoir for two weeks. And when people offered to buy me a drink, I'd ask for potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no That's thank you amazing i simply would prefer if you could just give me some potatoes like raw potatoes just just a bunch of potatoes thanks they're like french fries she's like no thank you just go out and find me I, a plain potato. i need a bag a sack full of potatoes thank you very much <laughs> i love them um, so Jeffrey Emlin says, Miss Streisand, who was in her secretarial role, drew such non-pejorative adjectives as oafish, plain, and homely from the critics, uh, is in private life, animated, poised, and unconventionally beautiful young woman with an aquiline nose, great big soulful <clears throat> eyes, and, a, and great big soulful eyelashes. During our talk, <laughs> she consumed soulfully three buttered rolls, a clam juice, a V8, a crab meat with asparagus and a seven up. Oh my god! Strange combination. The 60s was a wild all. time. I mean, she had a clamato. That's fine. That sounds fine. She had a clamato. Sure, the clam juice and the V8 are together, but separately. Just like imagine living in a time where you pull up to a restaurant and order a clam juice. Well, I have a feeling that she mixed them together, and this guy who was describing that her eyelashes as soulful just mentioned it because he was like, "What." Yeah, that's a strange order. I'm going to repeat it for anyone in the cheap seats who didn't hear. <laughs> Three buttered rolls, a clam juice, a V8 juice, a crab meat with asparagus, and a 7-Up. All of these things in some way sound like, like, okay, buttered rolls, of course, yes, delicious. Clam juice with the V8, yes, clamato. And a crab meat and asparagus is nice. 7-Up's fine. Yeah. Seems like a lot of liquid, but whatever. <laughs> and she went on stage um, after this? That's my worry. <laughs> And then she vomited all over a crowd of onlookers <laughs> as she sang memories. Also, oh, um, I can't believe they described her as oafish. It's so fucked up because she was very, it's so rude. first of all, it doesn't matter if she's attractive or not, but she was very good looking back then. Of course she was good looking. It's just that like she's Jewish. Yeah. And so that was like the anti-Semitic way of right. like being like, we don't like the way like, you know, Jewish people look. It's fucked up. Um, okay. So now I want to talk just quickly about two movies that I love with Babs in it. The Mirror Has Two Faces with Jeff Bridges. Have you seen it? Oh, yes. <clears throat> love that movie, but it is like one of the one of the movies that basically has the trope of like a woman being so heinous and gross because she's wearing like loose clothing and then like she like gets a haircut and like puts on lipstick and all of a sudden she's like so fucking hot. Yeah, that movie you know. is not one of my favorites. Although I do, of course, love um, Lauren Bacall as her mother. Amazing. Lauren Bacall is amazing. I love Jeff Bridges. The movie itself is, like, not really great, but it's just one of those movies I like watching. Also, but I just wanted to... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Once in my, no. I had a professor in college play the clip of her, like, teaching the class because she is a professor, also a popular movie profession. Um Movie <clears throat> you're right. She's a professor and she has basically what is a monologue um, about like falling in love or whatever. Um, but my teacher showed it to us and she was like, can you, can anyone point out like what is wrong with this scene? 
And basically she was like, I get that this is a movie, but this woman is not teaching them anything. She's basically just listing off periods of time where famous people fell in love with each other to disastrous results. And that was a day of class. <laughs> she was so angry. <laughs> totally. And everyone just like loved her. She was like the most popular professor. Yeah. But there's a scene, there's a couple like things. It's like to, you know, imply how dowdy and disgusting and unlovable she is. Like her and her friend order extra dressing everywhere they go. Yeah. And then finally one day she like doesn't get extra dressing and it's like now she's sophisticated. To which I say dressing, as we discussed last week in the episode, is the only reason for eating a salad. There's no other point in the salad a salad is made enjoyable by the dressing. Otherwise, you could just munch on the raw vegetables. So yeah. let's stop shaming people for eating extra dressing. Those people are smart. The world is crumbling. You should all have as much dressing as humanly possible. <laughs> that's my that's my rant about dressing. And that's a good rant. I love it. Every single kind of dressing is delicious. Now, there's also a thing where she like cuts up her salad and cuts up all her food so she can get the perfect bite. And eventually, it's what makes Jeff Bridges fall in love with her, which is ridiculous. But also, it makes sense. It's good to get a nice bite. <laughs> she likes to have it her way. There's also this um, really stupid line in that, but I always think about it, where his like womanizing best friend is like talking about this young model that he's dating. And he was like, I gave her a copy of Farewell to Arms, and she thought it was a diet book. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny though <laughs> oh, it's like a really great line whoever wrote that deserves an academy award yes. um okay so then another Rabs movie that of course I love with Robert Redford uh, my number one um the way we were there's like a scene where like she's just so fucking obsessed with him in the beginning of that movie I mean, really through the whole thing like he's just constantly pushing her away and she's so obsessed with him and he like his character Hummel is like uh calls her and like I'm gonna come stay with you cry crash on your couch and she's like sure like here's where the keys are and then she goes out and buys all this stuff and he's like about to leave the house and not even hang out he's like oh I'll, like call you when I come home later and she's like I bought steaks and baked potatoes <laughs> with sour cream and chives and pie you have to stay you have to stay you just have to stay and then he goes all right fine well what kind of what kind of pie is it and then he stays and they bang by the fire and then they get together yeah but then what happens um, well, in the end of the movie, eventually they do divorce, which is very sad. Um, I really like What's Up Doc, which is like this absurdist, um, like comedy movie from like the seventies that she's in. Um, do you, have you seen that? I have never seen it, no, but I know of the movie. I've just never It's seen with it. her and Ryan O'Neill. I can't remember who directed it. Um, but it's like somebody that we like, but, um, they actually were just playing it. There's a little cute, like, vintage theater here like in southern Indiana that does, like, old movies, and they were just playing it last weekend, but I couldn't go because I had to work. Um, yeah. I also... Why well, should watch that? I love Hello, Dolly. It's so good. I've never seen Hello, Dolly. What? Yeah. Well, I don't even... I don't really like the way we were. I've only seen it, like, one time. Um, I love the way we were. Hello, Dolly it's is so, so good. It's got um, grumpy old man... What's his name? Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. It's so good. It's truly like a musical, though. So there's plenty of singing and costumes, and Louis Armstrong is in it. Oh, cool. Um, Louis Armstrong, the comedian? No, the trumpet player. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Peter Bogdanovich directed. What's oh, up? yeah. Of course. Yeah. Peter, poor Peter Bogdanovich. He had a hard time. So he did. Um, what was that movie that he did that was so fucking popular? It's going to, like, really drive me crazy. Oh, my God. 
I'll think of it in a minute. But his first film was, like, such a big deal, and he was, like, the darling, like, of Art Orson Welles. Like, Orson Welles was his mentor, and he, like, did all this stuff for him, and then he made, like, Paper Moon. Oh, was it like, The Last Picture uh, Show? The Last Picture yeah. Show, yeah, yeah. And then he did Paper Moon, and then he did a couple other movies, but it, like, didn't go so well. And then he really fell on hard times, like, really poor, like, really badly. I think he might have even gone bankrupt and, like, been living in squalor. And then he got a career reboot playing Dr. Melfi's therapist on The Sopranos. Oh, that's right. Cool. Little, and now he's died. Yeah, he went away. <laughs> he went away. He's a skeleton. But that's a little <coughs> Peter Bogdanovich sidebar for all you people, who, for all you Bogdanovich heads out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And now everyone's like, shut up. Yeah, they're like, stop showing off. Um, okay, so I just have a couple more things I want to say. So a, a couple of things about her being diva-ish. I didn't find that. I tried to look for, like, riders and stuff, but this one I thought was funny. She requests 10 designer floor lamps, um, <laughs> 120 bath-sized towels, and a shade of peach that would enhance her complexion, and a peach-colored toilet roll to match her complexion, and rose petals in the toilet bowl. So and we're talking about peach toilet paper. Yeah, peach toilet paper, peach toilet bowl, peach rose petals in the toilet bowl. I forgot about that period of time when you could buy colored toilet paper. Yeah. That was a wild time. No longer. I remember when Bush was president, my stepdad bought toilet paper with George Bush's face on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, that's funny. Um, Okay, one last thing. She reportedly has been known to specify the temperature for bottled water and the angle in which her head should be elevated. Her temper is said to be volcanic. Lyricist Paul Williams has described working with her as, quote, like having a picnic at the end of an airport runway. Interesting. (laughs) And that's it. I love her. Well, also, you didn't even talk about the fact that she has a shopping mall in her basement, which she has. Well, we discussed that last week, which is very divish. They build themselves a shopping mall. It says, instead of storing my things in the basement, I make a street of shops, and I display them. So she made an actual mall of her own clothes. I love that. And I want to go to that mall. That would be a lifelong dream. That's on my bucket list. All right, we should check it out. We had to hurry, though, because she's going to die from buckwheat pancake overdose. <laughs> Any day now. God, that, let that be a lesson to you all. Don't eat buckwheat pancakes. They sound healthy, but really, they're the devil's food. <laughs> <laughs> should we talk about our three favorite, top three favorite divas? Sure. You go first. Um. Well... That's hard to do. Um, favorite divas. Well, I do love Celine Dion. <clears throat> and, you know, is Shania Twain a diva? Yeah, she's a diva. And um, who else is out there divaing around? I mean, I do love Mariah Carey. Amazing diva. One of the greatest divas of all time. I'm going to go ahead and say my top three favorite divas are Mariah Carey because she really is like exactly what a diva, I mean, true diva, Mm -hmm. right? Attitude, but also talent to back it up, demanding, kind of wacky, (laughs) um, you know, could picture like beating one of her assistants with like a handbag, but still being like, oh, Mariah, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a diva like we were saying about Martha before, like I feel like a diva gets a pass for anything right. because it's just, they're so talented and so like beloved that like they can almost do no wrong. Um, second d- favorite diva of all time, Whitney Houston, yeah. RIP. 
incredible diva. I mean, again. remember, your mom thought you sang like her. <laughs> well, that's why I love her is because our voices are exactly the same. And that makes me feel good. Um, and also, The Bodyguard is one of the greatest movies of all time. And everything else she does is great, too. And number one favorite diva ever is Cher. She's oh, a full package. I mean, amazing actress. Walked singer, around naked at all times. And it was love just it. allowed. You could just watch her be completely naked on some sort of warship singing about yep. her love life. And I don't She's incredible. know how those two things are related, but it doesn't matter. She's <clears throat> also like just so like firm in her beliefs. I just like love her. Every movie that shares in like Mystic, Mystic Pizza, God, sorry, Mermaids. Um, and, uh, Moonstruck. What's wrong with my brain today? Moonstruck. Yeah. Two of my favorite movies of all time. Silkwood. She's just amazing. Yeah. So bravo, share (laughs) your mind favorite diva. I know I've been looking for that little seal of approval. You've got it now. You got it, girl. You've got it going on. You go girl. Hello. Hello. (laughs) What is the appropriate response to that? (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's get the hell out of here yeah um let's go to work i've got a bunch of kittens to pet and uh yeah and watermelon blow pops to eat and um those are my diva requests okay love you everybody hasta la pasta bye bye this show is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.